Turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to Isaiah 52. Look at one verse this morning as we get started. If you would please stand as we read God's word together today. Isaiah 52, verse 7, familiar verse. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, and who say to Zion, your God reigns. Dear God, we thank you for this morning that you have visited us in worship as we have poured out our hearts to you. And Lord, I pray that during this time of hearing your word, Lord, that you would speak through me, Lord, your heart for us at this time, that the name of Jesus would be glorified above every name. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. may be seated. Each one of us is called to do the work of an evangelist. If you are born again, you carry the good news of Jesus with you. The good news of Jesus to share with others. And this is what Paul instructed Timothy to do in 2 Timothy chapter four. And this is what he, this is what he told Timothy, and please know that Timothy is a pastor. He was set in place to be a pastor, yet this is what Paul told Timothy to do. Verses three through five, uh, 2 Timothy four. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Today, if you're, if you're here and you're, if you're a, a teacher, be a teacher, do the work of an, of an evangelist. If you're a stay-at-home mom, be a great stay-at-home mom and do the work of an evangelist. Every single one of us, no matter what our, what our career is, each one of us is called to be an evangelist, to do the work of an evangelist. The good news of Jesus has changed us and we are never to keep it to ourselves. To be effective, what does the gospel need? The gospel needs words. The gospel must be proclaimed. There's the quote that has been attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, and it's a cop-out, folks. He has supposedly said to preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. And he didn't just mean that our lives are just going to be a living example of Christ, that's not what he meant. What is necessary is that we use words. The word proclaim means to announce or to declare openly. To proclaim also means to advertise, to blare, to broadcast, to publicize, to release, to trumpet, to manifest, to reveal, to inform, to notify, to impart, to communicate. All of those, all of those require words. 
When Jesus healed the leper in Mark 1, verse 45, the man that he healed didn't simply walk around so that people could see that he was healed. The Bible says that he proclaimed that he was healed. Scripture says he went out and began to talk about it and to spread the news about Jesus and what Jesus had done for him. Our responsibility with the gospel is in telling it, not just simply allowing our lives to reflect it. And if St. Francis of Assisi were, were here this morning, he said, no, don't, I don't know that much about him, but hopefully he would say, no, we, our life is not simply just to reflect without words, but our lives reflect because of the message that we proclaim. We must proclaim the message that Jesus saves. And when Peter and John were told to stop telling people about Jesus in Acts chapter four, and I, I love this, this is one of my, my favorite passages about the early church and how, it, and how it was developing. Acts chapter four, Peter and John were told to stop talking about this name, to stop doing things in this name. And Peter said, you tell us whether it is right for us to obey God or to obey you, but we cannot help but to speak about what we have seen and heard. And James chapter two says to us that faith without works is dead. I'm here to tell you this morning that also evangelism without words is dead. We cannot be silent. The title of this message this morning is, I want good-looking feet. And this was, actually, good-looking feet was the title of a, of a song that I wrote 17 or 18 years ago. And back when I was writing uh, quite a bit, uh, a good songwriter always is, is looking for a creative way to communicate an eternal truth. You know, that's one of the great things about n some new songs is, well, I've never heard it that way before. I've never heard it communicated quite that way. That's, that's, a, that's a great song when somebody can, can do that. And as a songwriter, I wanted, I wanted to do that as well. And I remember Isaiah 52, seven just jumping out at me in that way. And the phrase, good looking feet, just kind of, kind of came out. And this was in the, in the mid 90s when uh, most of you will remember uh, a group that was uh, called uh, Audio Adrenaline. They're actually still around, but they were really, really big back in that time. And so the song kind of took on that kind of, that kind of flavor. And uh, I'm actually gonna do a little bit for you here so you kind of get an idea of, of this song. It's called Good Looking Feet. It goes, Blessed is the one who brings the good news, the great good news of hope. Blessed is the one who runs to win the race, his feet God will promote. Blessed is the one, the one who says to you, there's just one way to God. Blessed is the one who gives it all to him. To him God gives a nod. Beautiful are the feet of them that brings the good news. Good looking feet, that's what I want. Do I need good looking shoes? I don't know where that came from. Do I need good looking shoes? I may not have a pretty, pretty face or a big muscle man physique. There's just one thing that I really, really want. I want good looking feet. There's just one thing that I really, really want. I want good looking feet. 
So there's a, there's a uh, yeah, whatever. You get the idea. There's another verse of that, but I won't uh, put you through the pain of listening uh, to that. So is evangelism easy? You know, evangelism is not, is not easy, but it's what we're called to do. There's, there's not one person who has called upon the name of Jesus and has the Lord Jesus as their Lord and, and Savior that is not called to evangelism. Whatever you are doing in your life, do the work of an evangelist. It's something that we're all called to do. In Romans 10, Paul talks about speaking and hearing the word of God. And it, um, it has to do with, with speaking and with hearing. Romans 10, verses 14. How then will they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It must be spoken. And there's nobody who is exempt. There's nobody who can say, well, you know, I am just going to let my light shine through my, through my actions. There's nobody who can do that and be obedient and in line with scripture. So what we're going to look at today, we're going to look at why the feet of the messenger is beautiful. And who is the messenger, the preacher, the evangelist, the, you and me, we are the evangelists. Number one, the messenger has beautiful feet because he brings good news. And what he brings is not an argument. We don't bring the good news of Jesus to, to start an argument or to uh, cause division for the sake of an argument. The, believe me, the message of Jesus will cause division in your family, in your workplace. Doing the work of an evangelist wherever you are will bring will bring the stuff that it brings. And if you have taken a, a chance and you've stepped out in your workplace or at school or within your family to present the gospel, you understand what I mean. The messenger announces what God has done. The war has been won. The payment has been made in full because of what Jesus Christ has done in completeness on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. That's great news, everyone. The slate has been wiped clean. Lift up your head and be glad. And as the song says, Jesus saves. That's good news. That's the good news that the messenger brings. Number two, the messenger has beautiful feet because he announces peace. Listen, apart from Christ, we are at war, period. There is war in your life. There is war in this world apart from Jesus Christ. Because of pride, people are at war against one another. Because of our sinful nature without Christ, we are at war against God. 
Apart from Christ, there is unrest, there is anxiety, there is uncertainty, there is hopelessness. And by nature, we put ourselves first. It is my nature, it is my first inclination to put myself first. It's a battle that I fight every single day to put the needs of other people in front of my own. That's part of the old man in me that I still have to kill every day. And I'm not always successful at it. I'm still the one that wants to be first in line for pizza. Because I want to make sure I get my, my portion. That's old nature. And that's what we fight against every day. By nature, we put ourselves first, putting God and others somewhere behind us. And that binds us up with selfishness and blurred vision. There's a book, uh, a relatively new book that is entitled Reverberation and it is about how the, when the gospel is spoken that it reverberates everywhere that we are. And the Bible says that the word of God will not return void. So we must speak the word, we must be faithful to speak the word so that so that it reverberates. And the author, Jonathan Lehman, wrote this. Then the messenger of God comes announcing that we now have peace with God. Christ has bound up the forces that bind us and has paid the penalty for our sins. And he brings shalom. And shalom is not just the absence of conflict, but it is harmony, wholeness, and unity. Jesus said in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So let your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. In John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And in Philippians 4, verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. How beautiful are the feet of the one who comes to announce the peace of God. Number three, the messenger has beautiful feet because he brings good tidings. The salvation of God is available to all. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's great news. That's good tidings. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste the forgiveness that God offers. You know, there's, there's so many pictures in, in scripture, and I don't know how many times that the Bible refers to the table. Come to the table. Psalm 23, he has prepared a table in the presence of my enemies. I love the picture of just a, a feast, a meal that God has prepared that I can, I can sit down. And what's a great thing about a meal when you sit down is that you're, you're at rest, you're at peace, you're enjoying a meal. And he has prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Wherever you may be, the peace of God can be real in your life and it doesn't matter what's, what stress you are under, it doesn't matter well, what situation you are in with your family or in your work or personal struggles, the peace of God can be yours. The perfect picture of peace is not a beautiful sunset. A beautiful picture of peace is in, 
is, and I've seen this, you've probably heard about it too, is in the midst of a, a great storm with wind and lightning and rain blowing and a tree that's limbs are just blowing to and fro and there's chaos and in the midst of that tree there's a nest and the bird is just calmly, peacefully at rest, sleeping in the nest. It doesn't matter what goes on around us because we can have the peace of God. Taste and see that God is good. It's God's favor this morning. Receive the freedom that he offers from the slavery of sin. It's the goodness of fellowship with God. It's the goodness of a life transformed from darkness to light. It's the goodness of abiding in faith, hope, and love. The goodness that we have experienced as born again children of God. Good tidings. Shouldn't we, with our mouth, shouldn't we, with words, bring this great message this eternal message of good tidings to our friends, to our families, and yes, even, even to our enemies. The messenger has beautiful feet because he proclaims salvation. Salvation from what? Salvation from poverty, yes. Salvation from hunger, yes. Salvation from war and death, yes. But you know, poverty, hunger, death, These are simply the consequences of our sinful nature. Everyone apart from Christ will experience that. And God's wrath awaits them that reject the free offer of salvation. There's conversations I've had with people before. I've overheard conversations before that people talking about what the unforgivable sin is. When When the word of God is clear about what the unpardonable sin is. And a lot of people think that, well, when you take your own life, that's the unpardonable sin. Well, it, it's not the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is, is when we reject the free offer of salvation. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It's rejecting what God has provided for us in the, the one thing that he sent his son to do, providing salvation for you and for me when we say, no God, I got this. When we reject what he has done for us, that is unpardonable. If we die apart from Christ, if we die and we have not received the free gift of salvation that is in Christ alone, that is unpardonable. He will look at us and say, I don't see Jesus. I don't, I don't see the blood of Jesus. You rejected the free gift of salvation. You, you must depart from me. Heaven forbid that anyone would ever think that that was a good option. The free offer of salvation. Our dreadful surroundings, poverty, sickness, war, those should serve as God's warning to us that even greater judgment is coming upon us. The messenger sends the light of salvation and beckons all who would listen to come. Come to Jesus. It's not too late, but don't wait any longer because it might be very soon. You can still come to Jesus because right now it's not too late. 
so you can come to Jesus. But don't wait because tomorrow it might be. After lunch it might be. Come to Jesus. Don't wait. How beautiful are the feet of the one who says, salvation, this way. There's salvation. I know the way. This way. Come to Jesus, it's not too late. The messenger has beautiful feet because he has come to announce the reign of God. He reigns. He reigns. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he reigns and that you don't have to reign? God's reign is is peace-giving. It is life-giving. It is gentle. This is the experience of God's kingdom reign. And meanwhile, the world lives in, in bondage to sin. The oppressive rule of of our enemy, Satan. And that rule, that rule of our enemy, it brings depression, it brings darkness, it brings anxiety and bitterness and rage. And if this morning, if you are in your life experiencing bitterness and rage and depression, and you know for a fact that you've not given your life to Jesus, this morning I have good looking feet, spiritually. I have ugly feet, in otherwise as children of God our sufficiency is in Jesus Christ alone we were purchased with such an incredible price the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and we are no longer our own but we belong to God and we live under his glorious reign how beautiful are the feet of the one who steps forward and compl- and, and proclaims Our God reigns. He is alive and he reigns and he lives forevermore. How beautiful are the feet of the one who shared the good news of Jesus with you that you might taste the goodness of God. How beautiful are the feet of the one who loved you enough to say, salvation, this way, follow this way. In 1975, how many of you remember the, the movie, the original one, the Poseidon Adventure. Did, any, did it give anybody nightmares? I had, I had nightmares from the Poseidon Adventure. It scared me to death as a kid. But I love the picture of this. You know, the, the, cruise, the cruise ship, you know, hits the tidal wave and it, it, it tips the, the ship upside down. And of course, chaos ensues. And there's a band of a few people that know the way. Yet everybody else on the ship, all the hundreds, maybe thousands, I don't know who was on the, on the ship, but they're all just like, like sheep being led astray. They're going the direction that they think is the right way. They're going up because they think that if they go up, they'll reach where they can be uh, rescued. But the few that was led by uh, the preacher, what was his name? Yeah, Gene Hackman and then uh, or Ernest Borgnine, he was in there, Shelley Winters and uh, Red Buttons and uh, was, uh, uh, anyway, they were part of this, I digress. Um, they were part of, of a few that were being led and he said, I think it was the, the, the preacher that was leading it, no, we can't go, we can't go up, we have to go down, we have to go through the engine room. 
If we go through the engine room, we'll be able to reach the way of escape and rescue. And when all the other people were going the other way, they were saying, you're going the wrong way. You've got to go this way. You're going to die that way. We know the way. We've seen it. We have to go down. Then we can go up and we can be rescued. You're going the wrong way. And they ignored him. And they were the only ones that, the few were the only ones that survived. And along the way, they lost some of them. But they were going the right way. And some of them, a few of them, sacrificed their lives so, so the few would make it to salvation. So the few would make it to safety. And they were, and they were rescued. Have you considered your feet today, the message that you are carrying? Today, if you have called upon Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior, you carry the name of Jesus with you wherever you go. But what are you doing with it? Part of the full armor that we put on every day in Ephesians 6 is the readiness to share the gospel on our feet. Gospel shoes. Put on the gospel shoes every day. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Wherever we go, do the work of an evangelist because that's the call of God on each one of us. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, do the work of an evangelist. Maybe today you are the recipient of good news. And like I said, I don't, I don't have pretty feet, stubby toes. But bringing the good news of Jesus, I have the, my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel to present to you the great news that Jesus is alive and he is the answer and that he will give you peace that passes all understanding and he will take you through the depths of the engine room so that you may ultimately be saved. The question is, will you, will you listen and will you heed his call today to be saved? I pray, proclaim to you today that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone and that's good news. That's good news. Jesus Christ alone offers salvation. And you can be saved today. You can be set free. The bitterness that is in your life, the anxiety that you that you face and endure and encounter and experience every day in your life, the anxiety of what today may hold or what tomorrow may hold, that can turn into peace. The peace that passes all understanding. Psalm 34 says to taste, Psalm 34, eight, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Pray with me. Dear God, we tend to clutter the message. We tend to complicate the message. The enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But God, I pray in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, that you would bring clarification by the power of the Holy Spirit bring clarification into the, into the mind of everyone here right now this morning, Jesus. If there is one or two or five or 10 that has never responded 
to the gospel of Jesus with, yes, I realize that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. Lord, I pray that that conviction this morning will be so strong, Lord, that the, 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 the beating heart within them is, is so strong, Lord, that they can feel it beating. And they know that they need to take care of business. Holy Spirit, I'm also asking that each one that is here that, that has called upon your name, that knows you as Lord and a Savior, will take the mantle upon themselves as evangelist. Knowing that with words, the message of the gospel must be heard. It must be proclaimed. That we are the ones to proclaim it. So Lord, during this time of invitation, please have your way today. May we know that in your presence we will never be the same. To experience the peace and the joy the grace, and the outpouring of love from an almighty, loving God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.